You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. This morning I'm going to be reading from James, chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. This is a continuation from last week. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. Amen. Thank you, Wade. Um, as Wade alluded to, this is the, the end of a sermon. I, I stopped the sermon last Sunday uh, because I just knew I could not tell you the things I wanted to say to you in the remaining amount of time. And uh, so we're coming in on the, on the, the sort of the back end of, of a, a prior sermon. Don't panic. Don't worry. It'll fit. You'll, you'll be all right. You're not going to miss a lot here, all right? And I'm going to try to catch you up real quick to where it all makes good sense to all of us, okay? Um, for those of you who might be new to Life Church, uh, this is a series on prayer. We started a few weeks ago. And um, it probably has been one of the uh, sermon series that has garnered the most response from all of you uh, as, as members of the congregation. Um, there's a lot about prayer that I realize uh, we, we struggle with, you know, and there's a lot about prayer that uh, a lot of us feel like are elephants in the room. There's some things that just don't get talked about about prayer, and we're going to try to talk about some of those things as we go along. And what I started last Sunday was a, a, a sermon that I hoped would build some foundation for you. It would lay up under you some sense of what needs to be a part of your life and what you need to value to be effective in prayer. Uh, so these are things that are important for us. If we're going to be a man or woman of prayer, uh, these are things that should mark our lives. These should be attributes or um, pieces of our lives that, that uh, sort of give us the culture and paves the way for God to work through our prayers in powerful ways, okay? And so I brought to you a verse last Sunday that I want to go back to today and start with, and that is from Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3, and that verse says, call to me, and that, that message, that idea, that concept is for you and I, all right? Call to me, God says, and I will answer you. This is so simple, isn't it? And yet, we battle in prayer so much, so often, and, and prayer seems to be a very difficult and challenging thing for so many of us, but God says, call to me, I will answer you. And then he also says that he will show us things. He will, he will tell us things. He will tell us great and hidden things, if you will, things that we have not known. In other words, God will respond in a way 
that is helpful for us when we pray. And I want you to understand that, that God is not a God who teases people. I talked a little bit about that on on Wednesday night at the table. Uh, That's something I realized I grew up thinking about a God was that God was a teaser. Like he would promise something or he would hold the the carrot out, so to speak. But when I tried to pray or I tried to to follow God, I I, I would fall short or I wouldn't find or or seem to, to believe that my prayers could be answered. And it's like, well, God, you made a promise, but it's not happening and so I, I began to think of God as one who teases us uh, and doesn't really come through, which is a false image of God. It's a false view of, of our Heavenly Father who loves us and promises us that if we will call upon Him, He will answer us and that He has good things for His children. And so we want to see God right. And so hopefully some of this foundational stuff helps us to do that. It helps us to begin to see and to respond to God in the right kind of way, okay? Now, last Sunday, uh, some of the things that I said that we need to do as far as foundationally goes are these. First of all, we need to pray rightly, all right? That is one of the key things that we need to do. And the passage that I, I referenced there was taken from James chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, where it says, you desire, but you don't have. And so because of that, you murder. Then he says, you covet, all right? You want, and, and, and you cannot obtain, or you can't get what you want. So you fight, and you quarrel. Then he goes on, and he says, you do not have, because you do not ask. You ask, and you do not receive. And then he gives the reason behind that. Because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. In other words, you're only asking for yourself. So you haven't aligned your heart with God. You've only aligned with yourself. And so all of what you are asking for is out of your own desires and out of your own passions. So praying wrong doesn't get answers. We have to learn how to pray right And to pray right, honestly, is to pray in such a way that the answers will glorify God. That ultimately what we seek for and what we want and desire are the things that give God glory and give God praise. So even when we are praying for our own personal lives and our own personal needs... The motive of our heart is that, God, as you answer my prayer that I am praying out of my own heart and out of my own desire, I want your answer to bring you glory. I want you to get the glory and the honor and the praise for the things that you bring in and and impart into my life, all right? So we, we need to be praying rightly. The second thing that I talked about last week was praying with confidence or actually praying with, with faith, all right? First uh, John chapter 5, verse 14 was the, was the main reference there for that. And this is the confidence that we have towards Him, meaning towards God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked for. In other words, we speak confidently to God. But here's the key in that passage that oftentimes gets sort of like dropped or diminished or we just kind of don't hear it clearly. And that is that if we ask anything according to His will, 
All right? God answers prayer based on His perfect and pleasing will for our lives. And so we may ask for certain things, but if in God's system and in God's ability to know not only past and present, but also to know future, if God sees that what we are asking for is not good for us, God isn't going to give that to us. And so we have to learn how to come into agreement with the will of God for our lives, all right? The third thing that I shared this past Sunday was that we pray continuously. In other words, that we are persistent in prayer. And the Apostle Paul gave us sort of that one like super challenging passage where he tells all of us, pray without ceasing. And everybody goes, oh, how can you do that? How can that be possible in a person's life? And the reality is God isn't asking you to close the door of life and go into a prayer chamber and just live and exist there until you die. God is simply saying, posture yourself, all right? Position yourself in such a way that at any given moment, the Spirit can click in you and you can begin to pray the will of the Father, all right? So we live a life that is in sync with the Lord. The Bible tells us that when we walk in the Spirit, we don't fulfill the lust of our own flesh. When we walk in the Spirit, we are walking with the Lord. We're walking in connection with God, and we're capable and able to pray as the Holy Spirit uh, leads us and directs us, all right? And so we want to be desperately seeking God, but we also want to be at a place where God can use us in desperate situations. And so... God's intent is that you and I are living a lifestyle whereby we are able to pray as God would lead us and that we are often praying as something is going on around us, that we are, are sensitive to the Holy Spirit's leading. I'll tell you a good exercise to use uh, to, to do this is, is when you hear a siren going off or you, you, you come upon an accident or a difficult situation or you just see a parent and child dynamic in the mall where you know the exchange is hard or harsh or difficult in some way, just pray. Just choose at that moment to pray a prayer on behalf of that individual or that circumstance or that situation. You say, well, I, I really don't know about those people and those are strangers and I really don't you know, think I'm, I'm capable. Oh, the Holy Spirit will direct you. And you can just simply pray the scriptures, which is another way we talked about praying. If you've got some free time and, and you really don't know what to pray for, one of the best places to go, as I illustrated last week, is to the Psalms. And just simply begin to read a psalm, but read it prayerfully. Like, like put yourself into that psalm and begin to pray that psalm out uh, unto the Lord. And one way I do that is uh, sometimes if you come in here, you might find me walking, just walking around this larger midsection here of this room on an afternoon, and I have a Bible out, and I am praying out loud. I'm praying the psalms over myself, over my family, over Life Church, over all of you. All right, just praying them. That gets me in the word and it gets me praying at the same time. And it's a wonderful experience to pray the word of God out like that. So we want to pray continuously. All right, all of that is about calling to Him. All right, if you will call to me, all right, I will answer you. 
And that's what I want to talk about today, this idea of God answering you and I. And what I want to say to you up front, I believe it's absolutely the truth. God answers prayer. I know there may be a place in your life where there's a situation or a circumstance and there hasn't been an answer yet. I'm still going to say to you, God answers prayer. All right, we hold to that. All right, and I think this passage in Jeremiah gives us that assurance. All right, I'm always looking for God to answer, and I'm always looking for God to answer my way in my affirmative. All right, but He doesn't always do that. All right, God may have other ways of answering. And as we pray and as we believe that God answers prayer, you and I have to be prepared to receive the answer that might not be what we wanted or it may not even make clear sense to us in the moment. All right? We have to be willing as we pray to receive whatever answer God gives to us. All right? So, so how does God answer prayer? Sometimes He answers it very simply and very quickly, and it all makes sense to us, and those are really great times, all right? But sometimes He doesn't do that. Sometimes He answers yes, sometimes He answers no, sometimes He answers wait, and I talked to you about that a little bit last week. Um, Dr. Nathan Hitchcock wrote me on, on Monday uh, an email, um, and uh, I'm going to quote him. He's not here today, but I'm going I'm to quote him anyway, okay? Uh, but he said to me, first of all, I appreciate that he said that Life Church, not, not a pastor, not a person, not, not a relationship in Life Church, but Life Church, the dynamic of Life Church, he said, uh, he greatly appreciated how much Life Church has helped him to find a prayer life that is grounded and abiding in God. And I think that's a, that's a big key is that, that you and I, if we want to be people of prayer, get around other people of prayer who are very grounded in God and their prayers are very much centered in God. But he added a word that I really appreciated. He said, he said if we have to boil down God's possible answers, it is yes, it is no, it is wait. But then he added something. He said, but most of all, seek and I think he's absolutely right, all right? We need to be seekers, all right? Uh, not, not only having just a good life of prayer, but the good life of prayer really needs to be theocentric, all right? And that's what Nathan and I were talking about. Is we, we need to see that everything is centered in God, not in man, all right? And, and so it's obviously grace started. I think there's a grace for prayer. And that's one thing I think you need to do at the, at the onset of learning to pray effectively is ask God for the grace to pray. All right? And, and as soon as he starts to show you yourself, your own heart in that, because I think that's one of the first things that happens in good prayer, if we start to really pray and seek God, God's going to talk to us about us. And then the second prayer needs to be, God, give me the grace to repent. <laughs> All right? Grace to pray and grace for repentance. And those two places are the jump start for good, effective prayer. All right? And so I, I want very much that we are, we are praying prayers that are truly powered by the Scriptures. All right? Uh, so you and I need to orient ourselves to the kingdom of God as we are praying. So with that, with this idea that God will answer you and I, 
Let me talk to you about two other foundations in prayer today for just a few minutes, all right? The first one is this. As you become a person of prayer, one of the foundational pieces that needs to be in place for you is that you are capable of praying with patience. You develop the ability to wait on the Lord. All right, this is absolutely essential for you and I to have a good, effective prayer life. All right, let me take you into the Old Testament and let me show you something about the approach to God uh, from the Psalms. And so this is David writing here in Psalm 69, verse 13. He says this, But as for me, this is David talking, But as for me, my prayer is to you, O God. At an acceptable time, O God, in the abundance of your steadfast love, answer me in your saving faithfulness. Do you hear what David is saying there? God, when it's right for you, God, when you deem it good and timely to answer my prayer, do that. And what David is saying, you have an abundant love for me that is steadfast. In other words, it sustains itself at all times. There's never a time, God, that I am outside of your love. And there's never a time that you are not faithful and steadfast. And so even though I haven't heard the answer to my prayer or seen the answer to my prayer, I stand in the fact that you are faithful. I stand in the fact that your love is abundant to me, and I live there until my prayer is answered. And so I stay in that kind of relationship with the Lord. A little further, uh, or a little back over, actually, in the psalm, Psalm 37, listen to what it says. David is writing again. He says, be still before the Lord. This is, this is really good advice, folks, Okay. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for Him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in His way. In other words, get your eyes off everybody else. Don't make comparisons. Don't look at somebody else and wonder why they have this or that or they can get away with this or they can do that. Look to God. Put your focus on God and be still in that focus and wait on Him patiently and don't fret about these other things. Don't worry about the man, it says, who carries out evil devices. You know, it's so easy when our prayers are not answered to look at someone else, especially someone who isn't being faithful, and say, well, look, at that person, they prosper, they're getting along, they're doing all right, but you're not hearing me, you're not answering my prayer. And we make these comparisons of other people around us. God, in His wisdom, answers in His time. And so there are often times when you and I must be in that place of being willing to to wait for the Lord or to wait on the Lord uh, to, to move in some way, okay? And, and it's important for you and I to understand that we do, we do find ourselves in places of unanswered prayer. And that's not bad necessarily, okay? That it can actually be good. 
But you've got to understand that God moves differently than you and I. God's ways of acting and responding to us are different than our ways of acting and responding to one another. And God's thoughts are higher than ours in the sense that God thinks at a different level than you and I do. And therefore, God acts and responds at a different level. I believe effective prayer is answered prayer. I believe that when, when prayer is effective, God answers in some way, okay? But, but please understand, and, and I'm, trying, I'm trying to help you to build a good platform so you desire to pray, but you've got to understand God if you're going to be able to pray right to God, all right? And you can't understand God by making comparisons to people. God is like no one, and no one is like God. He is, he is higher and exalted and lifted up and beyond our comprehension fully. We cannot fully see and know Him. You and I cannot assume that a particular prayer is outside of God's will simply because we don't receive an immediate answer. We can't, ex we can't just determine that, okay, because God didn't answer me right away or God wasn't immediate in His response to me that I'm not praying His will. You may be praying His will, all right? But there may be certain qualifiers from God's perspective that need to fall into place so that that prayer can be answered. And God may just answer in a different way than what you or I would expect. And he may answer your prayer at a different time than you thought was appropriate. There are occasions. There, there, are, there are occasions where a prayer that is actually in the will of God will be delayed until the prayer, the person praying, walks in the right place or position of righteousness. There's a reason for that. God is expecting that person to, to realign or recalibrate their life as they are praying uh, so that they are no longer living in a place of compromise. That place has to be perhaps repented of. Now, I'm not by any means inferring or saying, please hear me, and please hear me out here, okay? You and I cannot earn the answer to a prayer by good behavior, all right? Don't, don't try to play that trade game with God, because He doesn't play it, you know? Um, so, so just because you act good or you behave yourself for a, <laughs> a little window of time to get what you want, don't think for a minute that that's going to necessarily work. Well, actually, it's not going to work. Even if God answers your prayer, He didn't answer it because you just got good. All right, He's answering out of His will still. Okay? Um, but, 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 but godly character is, is oftentimes required so that we are able to steward the good answer that God is bringing to us in a way that it benefits us and others in the kingdom of God. Let me give you an example. You have some financial difficulties, and you're constantly praying, God, 
I want you to bless me. I want you to help me get out of debt. I want you to move on my behalf. Pastor Bill always preaches about we are blessed to be a blessing, but I'm not blessed, and so I can't be a blessing. But if you're still spending your money on things that are not of the kingdom, why would God try to get you out of debt? If you're still charging a lot of things that you want and desire of your own flesh on credit cards so that you can have them immediately, but you are not listening to God, you're just asking Him, now get me out of that debt I just got myself in, doesn't mean God doesn't want to bless you doesn't mean God doesn't want to prosper you. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want to bring finances into your life or even wealth for that matter. But what it does mean is God can't trust you with that wealth yet because your life is not aligned with His will and His desires. You are still over here in your own desires and your own will. And so God can't answer the very desire of his heart yet because you haven't aligned yourself with him. Is this making sense to you? Okay, good. This is, this, these are keys, all right? These are, this can unlock your prayer life. Not only that, it can help you to walk more obedient to God and to the scriptures. So God, in his waiting is not silent or inactive. God in his waiting is likely very active and probably very loud, but we're not listening on the right channel. <laughs> and so God's intent is to bless you. God's intent is to benefit you. God's intent is to use you for his glory, for his kingdom, and for the benefit of others in the body of Christ. But there may be some things that have to happen in your own personal walk for God to be able to do that. And so God is intending to answer that prayer when those things come into alignment. It's important for you and I to remember that God answers prayer His way, all right? And, and that I have found in my own life to, to oftentimes be different than what I would choose. I I. I, I'm, <clears throat> I want to try to tell you a story, and I don't know how to tell you the story. I have a very difficult situation in my life, in a relationship, in my family. And this week, I thought that God was ready to answer my prayer. And something came about that made me think that. And, and I thought it was a good thing. And so without really praying a lot about it or really even asking God much about it, I just jumped on it. Up, That's God right there. And I reached out. And what came back to me was very ugly and vile and evil. And it, it cut my heart open. It, like, it dealt with me. And it was... It was a, there was a difficult day and night of my week. That was my week from hell moment. <laughs> but it hit me like it T-boned me. Because in my heart, I decided that was God. And God was going to answer. And I got my hope up. All right, my level of hope just like rose immediately. 
I thought it was faith rising. It was my hope rising. And then when hope got knocked down, you know, the Bible says hope deferred. In other words, a hope that you have and it gets knocked out. Hope deferred, what does it do? It makes the heart sick. And so for hours and hours and hours, I lived with a sick heart. Does God want to answer that prayer? If I look at the whole of Scripture and I understand the heart of God, absolutely God wants to do that. God wants to restore that relationship. Absolutely. And I cannot give up on that hope. But I must wait for God and for His timing and for Him to do whatever He needs to do. And maybe not just in me, but in someone else. So you see how there are variables here that we have to be sensitive to and discerning of as we pray and ask God to answer prayers in our lives. But here's the thing. We must trust His leadership within our prayer life. We have to trust His manner of timing inside of our prayer life. We absolutely have to give it to Him. And so we have to be able to say, even though I don't see it as possible, I know that you are the God who can do the impossible thing. And so I continue to believe, and I continue to pray, and I continue to wait for you. In other words, I have patience, if you will, that you are going to respond to me. Now, the Bible sets several conditions for effective prayer, and I've already talked to you about some of those, you know, um, but... You and I need to understand that there are some things that if we're not careful, we might miss, and we need to evaluate from time to time. And this is what I hope this, this series is doing, is helping you and I evaluate our prayer life and what kind of prayer life we have and what is, where is our own heart inside of that prayer life. You see, I found oftentimes today that when people are praying together and they are trying to emphasize prayer, to get answers, they focus on two things, faith and the authority that we have in Christ. You got to believe. You got to have confidence. You got to have faith. That's right. That is absolutely right. That is biblical. Position yourself in Jesus. Your authority in Christ is what matters. You just got to walk in that authority and declare and claim and, and pronounce. You do. That is biblical. That is right. But let me tell you what I found to be the most neglected pieces of the prayer life, and that is understanding the love of God inside of relationships and living out a godly lifestyle. You and I need to understand that prayer brings us into relationship with God. And inside of that relationship with God, there are parameters. And you and I are required to live a certain lifestyle inside of that relationship with God. And when we don't, and prayer doesn't get answered on our timeline or in our way, then we fail in the last piece of that, one that I've already talked to you about, and that is persevering, staying in prayer. 
Folks, we give up way too soon and way too easily, and it's our own undoing that does that. And so I want you to be a person of faith. I'm going to preach you a sermon here in, in, in the very near future uh, about how to, how to pray warfare type prayer, how to get in there and battle and fight, all right? We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to do that, all right? I promise I won't make you all roar, okay? Uh, but we're, we're going to fight, all right? We're going we're, we're to see what we're made of, all right? Uh, that's an important piece of it. But I need to teach you also that God's intent is that you are first and foremost in a relationship with Him, a qualified relationship. Again, your good morality will not get you answered prayer. But inside of a relationship with God, you will desire to walk in a lifestyle that is compatible with the truth of Scripture. You will desire that, and you will see your life's transformation over the years as you do that. And so a life of prayer will be marked by your own moments and increments of transformation going forward. And so you and I have to be people who are not only emphasizing faith and authority in Christ, but we have to understand that in prayer we get in right relationship with God and with one another in the body of Christ. And as we do that, we are continually growing and maturing in our lifestyle. So we've got to remember that God's intent and God's purpose in prayer far greater than what maybe you and I might think, all right? There's so much more that God wants to do than just answer your prayer when he answers your prayer. His intent is for you to become a vessel of honor so that he can use you for his kingdom and for his glory. In other words, what I'm saying is that, that loving God, obeying God, having an effective prayer life. These are all different aspects of the same and one subject, and that is of living in such a way that your life glorifies God and is effective here on the earth. And if all that you're doing is not glorifying God, then quit doing it. Quit doing it. But it's really about the reality that you are grasping and understanding the great love of the Father, the love that's poured out to you as sons and daughters. And inside of that love, He gives you good gifts and good things for His glory and for the kingdom that you may serve Him and be faithful and obedient to Him and to Scripture. And that brings me to the last point I want to make with you today. And that is, is, is this, that... Real prayer is, is honestly setting our hearts on God and the lifestyle that He wants for us. That lifestyle piece is important. That lifestyle piece is necessary. So a foundational piece of effective prayer is this, praying with a righteous heart. God answers prayers that are for His glory. A righteous heart equals a righteous lifestyle. And so we have to live inside of his 
righteousness. All right? Now, please, before we get any further, let's understand. You can't make yourself righteous. I am not calling you to some kind of morality. I'm not calling you to works here. You are righteous by the work that has been done on the cross. Only Jesus can make you righteous. All right? Stuff can't make you righteous. Doing can't make you righteous. But there is a connection between righteousness and answered prayer that I think you and I need to look at. Let me take you to Luke chapter 6, beginning at verse 44. Listen to these words. Each tree is known by its fruit, for figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, produces good. And the evil person, out of the evil treasure, produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Now we stop right there because most of our Bibles have a little uh, note right there, or a little title right there inserted, okay? You really need to look at the next verse. What he's saying is, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? You want to be effective in prayer, you must come under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Because you see, effective prayer depends on what you say out of the abundance of your heart. And when you talk to God, the heart needs to be right, not wicked. And so you and I have to first let God search our heart. King David got it. He understood it. Search me, O God. See if there is any wicked way in me. His intent was, show me where I am divided. Show me where there's a gulf between you and me. All right? In effective prayer, God gets all the glory. No matter what our prayer is about, He gets the glory in the answer. All right? Let me explain something about the character of God here, and I'm going to wrap this up here in just a minute, okay? Isaiah chapter 24, verse 15 says this, Therefore, in the east, give glory to the Lord. In the coastlands of the sea, give glory to the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. What he's saying there, the writer is saying, in all things, at all times, in all places, give God glory. Your life needs to be lived in such a way that God is getting the glory. A little further over, Isaiah 42, verse 8, he says, I am the Lord, this is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. We're called to give God the glory. As a matter of fact, God says in His Word, He doesn't share His glory. He's not going to let you have part of His glory. If the prayer you are praying will bring glory to you, you're praying the wrong prayer. Don't ask God to make you great. Ask God to become great through you. Let's, let's get this thing turned around so that we're praying again right. All right? 
We're created for His glory, Isaiah 43 says. So everything we do, according to 1 Corinthians, is for His glory. Now, with that in mind, if you and I are living lifestyles that are consistently unrighteous, and we have patterns of sin going on constantly, but we are trying to pray, there is no way that our life is giving God glory. And the reality is your prayers are falling on deaf ears. Back to James. James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The righteous person spoken of in this passage is any believer who sets their heart to obey Jesus and he or she seeks to walk in godly character with a lifestyle that is practicing the truth according to Scripture. That's where you and I land, all right? If you want to see your prayer life just explode, get yourself in line with God's Word. 1 John chapter 1, verse 6 says, If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie. And do not practice the truth. That's crazy, isn't it? No, it's not. It's wise and healthy and good for us. If we're living a life that's filled with unrighteousness, then we think it's crazy, or we think it's impossible, or we think, I can't do that. My friend, God is a loving Father who will not ask you to do anything that you're not capable of doing or that he is not capable of giving you the grace to do. And so God's intent for you and I is that we set our hearts to obey, and that is very important. Even if we fall short, even if we don't always live mature, consistent, obedient lives, we should be striving, we should be setting our hearts towards that. I've never met a person who is so mature in righteousness that he or she is above all temptation and never falls short of the glory of God, all right? Including me. Please know that, all right? I'm your pastor, and I fall short. I'm your pastor. I sin. I'm your pastor. I have to constantly pray and repent and go to God, all right? I am human just like you. We all find ourselves there. But there is a difference between living a life in where you are striving to be obedient and to align yourself with scriptures and living a life over here where you are willfully, knowingly disobeying God and his word and still praying and expecting that that God who is holy and righteous is still going to give you what you ask for. This is a place of tremendous presumption and arrogance on the part of an individual even if that person seems the most gentle and humble. You and I must be in that place where we are open to the correction of God. The, 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 the fervent, the, the, the effective prayer of a righteous person is always working. And that righteous person talked about in this passage includes the prayers of you and of me, people who are imperfect, weak people, but we are sincerely seeking to, to walk in God's righteousness even as we stumble 
in our weakness. I'm not giving you a slick way out here, my friend. I'm just helping you to understand that the grace of God is sufficient when we fail. But the intent of God is that we're always looking to Him and striving to be more and more like Jesus because as we do, that is how the Lord responds. He responds to us as we are seeking to keep His commandments and to do the things that are pleasing to Him. 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. The more you align your heart with pleasing God, the more you will see your prayers effective in the kingdom. Here's a danger. And and hear my heart in this, all right? Prayer is never a substitute for obedience. You can pray all day long, but if you're not obeying Christ, it's, it's useless for you to do that. Get your life in alignment with the Word of God first. You you cannot think, and people do this in the church, you cannot think that being extra zealous in the spiritual disciplines or something is going to balance things out and that you can still have these areas of constant, persistent compromise. You cannot do that. There has to be change. We have to grow. Isaiah chapter 59 says, Your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Do you understand the implication of that? You and I need to receive the grace of God today so that we can come boldly to his throne room. But there we live out of obedience to his word. I've got to wrap this up. Here's what I'm saying to you. If you have all the other pieces in place and your life's style of prayer is still ineffective, then I would say to you, this is the first place to look. God, search my heart. See if there is any wicked place in me. And then show me the way. Show me the way. He will do that. Call on me. I will answer you. I will show you great things. The greatest thing that a loving father could ever show you is the condition of your own heart that separates you from him because his intent is to move that out of the way and he's already done everything to do that on the cross of Calvary so that he can bring you in to him and there you and he together can have intimacy and there your prayers can be answered. Amen? Amen. All right. Larry,